This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Got away with one or is a win a win? That's the question we'll be asking today after a mixed performance on the South Coast against Bournemouth. It's Monday the 26th of February. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Howarth. I'm Alex Michelle. And this is the City Report Podcast. Welcome back to the City Report Podcast, your home for daily Manchester City content and kicking off a brand new week with another dub. But was it as simple as that? I don't think so. Um, first of all, apologies for last week. Obviously, uh, listeners have pointed out that there was no Friday episode that was due to unforeseen circumstances within the City Report Podcast um, team. A couple of last minute emergencies, etc., etc. Life got in the way. So unfortunately, we didn't have that Bournemouth preview to bring you on Friday, but we are back to regular scheduling throughout this week, five episodes, Monday through Friday. Um, okay, then, chaps, let's kick it off because it was a win, just about, and as usual, as has been the case so far this season, it's split opinions. It feels like Manchester City Football Club, for on-the-field reasons, are becoming the most divisive team in football as opposed to off-the-field reasons, as has been the case in the last few years ago. Um, Alex, what, what what did you make of the win? First of all, it was a, I'd, I'd put it under the, the sort of the, the stodgy performance at times, but there were some super bright sparks in there as well, I thought. So, um, yeah, like I said, mixed performance, really. Yeah, I think it was sort of a tale of two halves almost in terms of our performance. I thought the first half was really promising. I think mm. we'll get into the the interesting stuff that Pep did. But aside from that, the the performance itself was was really nice, I thought. I thought, thought it was nice and controlled. And then the second half, it started to get away from us a bit. And, you know, you have your chances in the first half. You don't 
you don't put them all in the back of the net. It's only a one goal lead. Mm. And then you're sort of fighting for your life that last, what, 30, 40 minutes. So I don't know. It's a bit of a weird one. Yeah, um, I, I do want to touch on the sort of the contrasting halves because it feels like it's slowly becoming the theme of City's season, really. But um, Adam, let, let's go back to the start because we don't always do sort of chronological reviews. Sometimes we'll start with the biggest talking point, but I actually think that is probably the lineup because it sort of it, it booked a trend of of well this season really. Obviously, Kyle Walker was on the bench and he didn't start the Everton game, but People were asking, you know, was that just being rested? Was that being dropped, et cetera, et cetera? But that's, you know, the second game in a month that he hasn't started. I think having started every single Premier League game before that. And as well, alongside the return to four central defenders across the back line, um, a midfield containing midfielders. The first time this season, Julian Alvarez doesn't start a Premier League match as well. So it, it felt like, I don't know, a, a more balanced start in 11. Do you think that translated over to the performance in that first half? Uh, it's hard to say. I, I, I don't think it particularly um, worked as Pep maybe would have liked. I mean, it, we got mm. the result at the end of the day, which is all that matters. But I was shocked to see both Nunes and Kovacic start. I thought maybe we'd see Kovacic, but to see Nunes as well playing on the left wing was just a bit bizarre. Uh, mm. He did okay because he's, he's, he's good at carrying the ball, but his final ball was lacking as it has been before um, in his last few appearances. Um to see no Alvarez and De Bruyne as well was uh, a shock because we know Pep does love to play Alvarez in that role, especially if De Bruyne's mm. not fully fit to start. You think Alvarez, Alvarez is a shoo-in. Um, I think it allowed Foden to really shine. I think having all that central freedom, all that creative freedom to himself, he he enjoyed it and he lived up to the challenge and delivered another excellent display. Um, and I think uh, there's a lot of talk on, on the social um, media channels about um, City's lack of clinical finish yesterday and I suppose recently you know two 1-0 wins Howland mm. not particularly clinical in front of goal if Howland takes those chances then we probably see that performance against Bournemouth differently and see and come away yeah. feeling um, come, come away feeling a lot better about it as well because um, that lack of clinical touch is rather concerning with playing five teams from the top seven in our next five mm. games so that's basically where I'm at with it yeah, and as well, obviously, the goal coming from, I'm hesitant to say fortunate uh, circumstance, but it is a parried save. And, you know, how many other times does the goalkeeper push it around the post or a defender clears it? So, you know, there was a touch of fortune with it. And with it being the only goal, you do have to say maybe City were a bit lucky in that aspect, considering they didn't take any other chances. But they certainly created them. Um, Alex, uh, Adam sort of... Uh, just muted it a little bit there. The Mateus Nunes starting on the left wing, which I think when the team news drops, I don't know how you interpreted it, but it probably looked like Foden would start out wide and Nunes would be the guy in front of Rodri and Kovacic. That wasn't the case. I, I do think Mateus Nunes has the skill set to, I wouldn't necessarily say a winger as the sort of conventional term goes he's he's probably not going to be hugging the touchline he's probably not going to be taking it down to the byline he's he's probably in that mold of a Bernardo Silva-esque player when he's out there you know he he will drift inside etc etc but you know for for a player who we haven't really seen play there I think he maybe got 10 minutes before coming off against Everton and, and possibly a bit earlier on in the season but he's primarily central midfielder I felt it was a decent showing and maybe that's something that could be useful for City going forward. 
Yeah, I agree. It was a bit of a strange one, of course, when you first see that lineup. And yeah, I think myself, along with pretty much everyone, thought it was going to be Foden out wide and, you know, delightfully surprised that it wasn't. And it was mm. him through the center and Nunes out left. And I think it goes hand in hand with what Adam was just sort of hinting at with the chances that fell to Holland is that how I read it is Pep showed an approach in that game that I don't think we've seen since game week one against Burnley, which mm. is you sort of load the midfield with these players who like to drop deep and receive the ball from deep areas, Kovacic, Bernardo, Stones, Rodri. And then you have Holland along with two runners. In game week one, it was Alvarez and Foden. This week, it was Nunes and Foden. And you try to sort of create that separation between the midfield line and the attacking line. And then you try to play a bunch of long balls and sort of create these transition-based opportunities, which are, in theory, better suited to Holland's strengths. And I think that's something that a lot of people have been asking throughout Holland's time at City is, you know, we want to see us play to him because he's, you know, he's the one that's going to get you those goals. Of course, him and De Bruyne at the top there are sort of, you can play to either of them, but Holland sort of has to fit the mold of City more so. And so that's how I read that selection with Nunes is that it was someone to sort of mm. be used as an outlet and to sort of try to use his pace and power driving with the ball. And we saw it quite a few times in it's the sort of give and take here is you don't get the volume of shots that you do when you're pushing the opponent deep into, you know, City's attacking third, but you get, you know, quote unquote, maybe higher quality chances. Is it weirder then with, with Harlem? Because obviously last season, pretty much every shot he, he took went in and it's almost better suited, if we can use that phrase, this system. You know, he does... I, I don't know the numbers if he's taking more shof, shots, if he's taking less, but it feels like he's he's a little bit more involved in front of goal, whereas last season they would go in, and, and, and this season, obviously, he's been a little bit prof, profligate, which is fair enough, because I think had he kept up the, the rate of scoring last season, we're talking about, you know, clean sweep. I mean, for my money, he should have had one Ballon d'Or, but we're talking about the next 10 years of Ballon d'Or just wrapped up. So is it a bit... Is it a bit weird that it is maybe better suited to him and, and yet the goals necessarily aren't flowing as much? Well, I, I don't think necessarily... I, I think this performance was a bit of an anomaly in that sense, where mm. throughout the season we maybe haven't... And I do have some stats to, to throw at you here. Love which, it, love it. So this season, in all competitions, Holland has 4.29 shots per 90. Mm. That's up from 3.77 last, okay. last season. So a little over half a shot per 90 that he's getting more. And uh, he's having just above two shots on target per 90, which is up from 1.72 from last season. Mm -hmm. But sort of as you hinted at his conversion, we know he's been underperforming this season. He only has 0.15 goals per every shot. Versus last season, it was one out of every four shots was going in. So it it is a bit of a weird one. And I think John McKenzie did a little thread and video of it recently where it may be down to Holland sort of rushing his actions a bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's a bit of a weird one that you can't really necessarily pinpoint exactly why he's performing a bit a bit less and maybe it's just a bit of a slump and he has to shoot his shoot his way out of it. Mm. Which uh, look, I will always say, and maybe it's a, it's a little bit skewed in the fact that Manchester City will create chances. This isn't just an average striker and an average team, but at the same time, a striker who is missing chances is better than a striker who isn't getting those chances. And I think that's what we have to remember with Erling Haaland. If this is his slump and he's still what averaging well over a goal every other game, it's twenty one from uh, no even more than that. It's twenty nine. Um, it's oh, Jesus Christ. It's twenty two from twenty nine matches so far this. Season. 
season, obviously a chunk of that out with injury, then that that's a phenomenal rate and something that I think had that been in his first season, we're still bigging it up. But it's just because maybe we tasted the riches of um, of his sort of his super season last year that it's, it's maybe feeling a little bit like it has slowed down a bit. But hey, I, I don't necessarily think it's a problem, but it's something to watch. Um, uh, uh, let's see, uh, Kovacic, Adam, I mean, Look, people, I, I spoke about it before in terms of the midfield of midfielders. He's looking again a little bit like the player we saw at the start of the season, isn't he? And uh, there was a delightful, I think maybe for one of those Haaland chances, a delightful clip ball over the back of the, uh, the, the defence. And I don't know, there's just something about Rodri and Kovacic next to each other that, that feels so smooth and it feels so calm and it, it almost gets the best out of Rodri because he isn't having to do uh, like a double shift of defending maybe when Alvarez is in there um, and that's not a slight on Alvarez. I think he's been wonderful on the most part this season but that that could be, whisper it, that could be City's midfield going forward. I think it does provide, at least the base of the midfield, provides plenty of balance. Absolutely. I think... As you mentioned there, with it almost unlocking Rodri, I think that's kind of what Kovacic is doing right now, and that's why he's getting a lot of games. I mean, he did set out the last few, but there was a spell not so long ago where he was one of the first names in the team sheet. And it kind of, it, not to directly compare Rodri to Prime Yaya Toure, but it kind of reminds <laughs> me of um, how when we signed Fernandinho in 2013, he yeah. sat back and Yaya was just allowed to be this absolute demon going forward. Can and... I make another comparison? Go on. Um, um, uh, obviously, uh, Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice, um, <laughs> which we, we kind of thought Calvin Phillips would be that guy, but it didn't work. But I know what you mean when you have that um, holding midfielder who is not only incredible going backwards, but also one of your main creative assets. It does help to have someone next to them who can do a little bit of their job as well. Yeah, I mean, Kovacic is just like so stable and secure in possession. Like he looks after the ball well, and I think recently um, I've noticed more more so. He's I don't know if it's something he's developed at City. I didn't watch a lot of him at Chelsea, but um, in terms of ball carrying, sort of like how Nunes does, there's a lot of times against Bournemouth where he'd stride forward with the ball and he'd be holding off defenders, um, and he, he he does it quite gracefully as well. I think he's um, he's fitting really well at City and. Um, like I said, allowing Rodri to do what he's doing because Rodri's just as we, we don't need to say it anymore now. He, Rodri is the man and he, he does everything for City. Um, and those kind of like eight out of 10 performances are standard for Rodri. Um, but if Kovacic wasn't there, um, Rodri would be more required, well, relied upon yeah. more so go at the other end of the pitch. But now with Kovacic there, someone secure, someone he can rely on, you know, he's going to be there to pick up the ball if Rodri's in a tight spot. And Rodri can go and do his thing. So I think Kovacic deserves to play as he is right now. And um, oh yeah, he gets, he gets mm-hmm. a very good level out of Rodri as well. Yeah, I do. I do agree with that. It, it, maybe it is just me being a, a sort of a midfield foe, but the, the two of, um, when it is Julian Alvarez there, specifically, I think you pointed out the other week, Alex, when it's Julian Alvarez deep next to Rodri, that's, it's, it's an eyesore. When it's Julian Alvarez sort of doing the role that Kevin De Bruyne would usually do, absolutely no qualms of it. He's an incredible footballer, but when it's him trying to set the tempo, that's where I have an issue with it. Um, first, let's sort of, uh, in terms of the first half, Alex, let, let's begin to round it off, because I thought it was a, a comfortable enough performance. Bournemouth had a couple of chances. We'll speak more about them in part two of today's show. But... Um, I just wanted to touch on uh, Mr. Johnny Stones because you, you did a great segment in one of the episodes last week, I think it was, speaking about sort of 
why City have set up this way, what John Stones brings, how can maybe when he isn't fit, and there has been plenty of times, how can the the sort of um, remedy for his absence? But we saw in that game just why he is the man for that role. And it's called the John Stones role for a reason, because it is specifically tailor-made to his qualities. And look, the, the jury's out on whether or not City should or Guardiola should push on with it when Stones isn't there with Akanji. I think he's decent enough, Manuel Akanji doing it, but it's not his strongest point. And it was actually interesting seeing him back out on the wide, because that's personally speaking in this sort of setup where I feel like he's best suited, um, as we saw in parts of last season. But another stellar performance for, from John Stones. And I guess the only thing to say is just fingers crossed that it's 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 a clean bill of health for him between now and what, June the 1st. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I mean, yeah, I think you have to just pair those two together as you did because you don't necessarily get, I mean, I guess you, you, you can get this type of John Stones without Manu Okanji, but you don't necessarily get that Manu Okanji without John Stones, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think this was one of, John Stone's most expansive performances to date. And I think it also goes hand in hand with Kovacic too, because I'm looking at the touch map from that first half and Kovacic barely had a touch in cities in in the final third. And John Stone's had maybe 10 or so touches in the final third. (laughs) Which is a bit Yeah, exactly. And that's sort of what Kovacic also offers alongside this, you know, maybe in the evolution of the John Stone's role is that not only does he enable Rodri to be more advanced, but he also covers for Stones when he he pushes forward. And even in the moments where it's not Stones, maybe it's Vardy on the left who's pushing forward, Kovacic covers the same thing. So, yeah, I think I, I just have to give praise to, to sort of those three players, Kovacic, Stones, and Akanji, because I, I agree. I think we saw the best sort of mm. performance and type of performance out of them that you're going to get. And that was a, a real positive as we enter this this final portion of the season. Yeah, I guess the one thing to say here is it, it. Let's just hope it wasn't a little tease, and we don't see it again. A little bit like the um, Copenhagen game, uh, m- yeah. more so the the sort of the front five of that fixture, where the first twenty minutes before Grealish goes off, it looks like City have found the rhythm again. These are the players who are going to take them forward. You know, Foden coming in, Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, etc. With Haaland looking like he's um, on form again, Grealish goes down. Suddenly, it's a bit more erratic with Doku coming on. We've we've done that conversation completely. I'm sure we'll probably do it again, but um, this time going back the opposite way that that for me that five of RKD Ezekanji Rodri John Stones is is probably what I would like to see more often than not um I do think there's a place for Kyle Walker I don't know if it's as an automatic starter week in week out um feels like a couple of his flaws have been on display in recent weeks but yeah um decent first half a little bit like this podcast let's hope unlike city we can um put on a better show in the second half of today's uh, of today's podcast so listeners stay exactly where you are we'll be back after this there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss that's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season, and the same goes for McDelivery. 
Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for daily Manchester City content. Um, let's crack on with part two of today's show then, um, because uh, the second half, it, it deserves a segment of its own because it, it looked like, um, Adam, that City's performance level, I'm not going to say drops at all because I think Bournemouth are a canny team and they've got some good players and this season they've probably been Maybe the surprise package. I know a lot of people were tipping them to be down there. New manager coming in. He'd worked wonders in Spain. Um, Rayo Vallecano, I think it was the team he was with, sort of took them in well into the top half and challenging for Europe at times last season. So personally speaking, I kind of knew what to expect, but obviously you've got to prove yourself in the Premier League, etc., etc. But at the same time, City don't put that game to bed. A couple more chances come and go. You're entering that last 30 minutes or so at a... I'm not necessarily going to put it in the the category of difficult place to go. You know, it's not an Anfield. It's not a Stamford Bridge. It's not Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's the Vitality City have gone there and they've won by three, four, five goals in the past. But at the same time, you know, uh, raucous atmosphere, half 30 game, they're up for it. One goal, you know, it's always going to be a difficult one to see over the line. Do you do you take any concerns from that sort of last half an hour where Bournemouth really put their foot on the gas and started causing City problems? Or do you just see it as symptomatic of this time of the season where City are a bit leggy, they're going and playing two, three matches a week, you know, they, they've got a lot on the plate and maybe sometimes it is going to be a little bit sketchy and, and you're just going to have to see the win over the line, whether or not that's through defending resolutely, or as was probably the case here, relying on a little bit of luck that chances didn't go the way of Bournemouth. It's hard to say. It's a different. It's a difficult one. Um, before I, I answer the question, though, I, I will. I, I need to impart some football knowledge. Andoni Areola had a short spell at City's sister club, New York City FC. I think he retired there. I believe. But, oh, um, cool. So maybe he had some knowledge of the City group. I don't know. Yeah, but, possibly. Um, possibly love that. But um, yeah, the second half was for compared to the first half, it was weak from City. I think, as I mentioned earlier, I think it's just a simple case of if City put those put that ball in the back of the net on more occasions, then mm. obviously there's less squeaky bum time to be had in the second half. Um, but it was, I think, it was slightly concerning how we did afford Bournemouth more chances than we normally do. But then. I think, as you alluded to with Areola and his play style and how, how impressive he's been at Bournemouth this season, they they deserve immense credit for taking the game to City because that wasn't just after they went a goal down. If Most teams in their situation would put 10 men behind the ball and absorb the pressure from City, whereas from the first minute they were pressing. I mean, Edison had a few ropey clearances in the opening stages. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose they're just trying to unsettle City and I, I guess it almost worked. It just happens that City are very good in those situations that just calming things down when they need to. I think that's ultimately what we did um, because I think in the second half, obviously we were kind of more on the back foot, but we still did have the occasional chance going forward. I think I think it was the left-back Milos Kerkez. He had a very good yeah. game, making a lot of uh, blocks and even at the other end, uh, threatening on that left flank. So I think Bournemouth deserve credit, um, but I think City do as well because, you know, if if those defenders are having an off day, which we have had at times this season, you know, shipping four to Chelsea, three to Spurs, mm. etc., 
um, then we let Bournemouth in. I mean, we, we can't forget Solanke's only the third joint top scorer in the league, level with Watkins on 14, I think, last time I looked. Mm. Um, so, you know, he's a, he's a dangerous front man and that City defence did very well. And it goes back to what you were saying um, in terms of the defence and how Pep looked to make that defence solid when he opted for the four centre-backs because um, I also I also agree thinking that is the best five. That's what you want mm. with City. It's very solid. Diaz can contest that physical battle with Solanke, allow Stones to maraud where he wants up that pitch. And then Akanji and Ake, I think it kind of goes understated how good they are on the ball now because yeah. the defensive qualities are obviously there to see, but um, they're kind of required to push up in this current iteration of the Guardiola system and they've done a really good job at it. Akanji was many people's man of the match against Brentford and ultimately this was the, the defence that started in Istanbul. And I think I've seen a lot recently Akanji, um, you know, there's questions about his abilities on the ball at times and uh, you know, he might not be quite as elegant and graceful as John Stones, but um, he's very good at those passes um, in behind, like he was in the Champions League final for the goal. Um, he did it against Brentford and I think he, I seem to remember him doing it yesterday, I could be making that up, but I think he had a very good game on the <laughs> on the right-hand side and this is the defence I want to see and they deserve credit for standing up to the test and keeping Bournemouth out ultimately. Cause, and again, Edison stepped up for a couple of big saves as well. So I think both sides deserve credit. Slightly concerning, but I, I would have to say it probably comes down to what you're saying in terms of fatigue, mm. all the games coming up at this point. Yeah, that, that that's a good summary, I think. Um, uh, Alex, I'll, I'll be totally honest. I, I, like I said, um, I was saying before you hit record, I missed the second half because I was on a flight back over over to home. And so I, I didn't, I, even though I've watched the extended highlights back, I didn't necessarily get a feel for... That that I, I I like to watch games back, but you never get the same authentic feel of how you feel in the moment. And and this was the case here because all I see on the highlights is sort of Bournemouth coming out of City, bombarding them, blah blah blah. What I did think was interesting though was the the substitutions because uh, look, Doku's caught plenty of flack, and and this isn't necessarily another time that we're going to be picking on him, but. Man City make three substitutions. They come on, it's Jeremy Doku on the 63rd minute, Julian Alvarez on the 75th, 84th minute for Kevin De Bruyne's introduction. And given the state of the game, and this is what I was alluding to before, it'd be interested to see how you saw it at the time and whether this differs from watching it back after the fact. But they felt like substitutions that were there to go and get a second goal and not see out City's one goal lead, which... I think has been something that has cost City in the past this season. I think to Crystal Palace when City have dropped points, Chelsea, Liverpool, for example, um, in 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 the back end of um, 2023. So it was just I don't know, maybe a little bit of an eyebrow raiser that those players came on, and it wasn't a case of right, okay, get your foot on the ball and see see, see the one goal lead across the line. Most definitely, yeah. I think you're probably lucky that this was the half that you missed. Yeah, I don't think you true, missed that one too true. much. Um, I mean. Yeah, I think, first of all, going back to what Adam said, you have to give Bournemouth their props. Yeah. But when it comes to those substitutions, I completely agree. It's a bit of a head-scratcher, and I don't want to keep throwing stats out, but just to put a few more stats out there that are kind of blowing my mind right now, they outshot us 9-6 to six in that second half. They City only made three tackles in the first half. That just goes to show how much possession or how much mm. control we have we were forced to make 15 tackles five times the amount that we made in the first half in the second half and then the the gap in touches between the two sides was getting closer to equal in the second half which you almost never see from city and 
I don't really know what to make of, I think, yeah, probably going and getting a second goal, but I feel like there's some sort of mind game that Pep is playing here because we hear him say so often recently, you have to suffer. You have to be able to suffer in these moments. Mm. And like part of my mind is just thinking that he put on those players who are super attacking and he he knows probably aren't going to add another layer of control to sort of test that defensive line and then to test you know, City's real sort of will to, to come away with three points here because I don't really have another explanation for other than that. And I think this is sort of the double-edged sword that I want to throw a question back at you guys is, on one hand, you know, you don't want to see a performance like this where the level drops off. I think all of us would like to sit back and watch City just control the 90 and come away with a comfortable 2-0, 3-0 victory. At the same time, is there potentially something to what Pep is saying there about maybe grinding out these 1-0 victories? And you look across at Arsenal, who who have scored more than four or five in their last, I think more than four in their last three Premier League games. Is there something that is of benefit there? Or should we be looking at this more negatively? Like, which side do mm. you sort of stand on the fence there? Yeah, Um Adam, do you want to answer it? And I'll, I'll come in with some thoughts afterwards because, like I said, I didn't get to sort of feel that in the moment. So I'd be interested to see your thoughts first. Um, I'm honestly, I, I, I've struggled to comprehend it myself, to be honest. Um, I think it's it's quite strange to get used to a City team in a title race not absolutely like obliterating many opponents on the way because back in the day, those first two titles under Pep and even the third one, um, we had so many games where you'd be we'd be doing what Arsenal are doing right now, putting five six goals past opponents and not not letting that performance level drop. So it is hard to understand myself as well. I think it's a little bit of you know Pep still trying to find what that what the right system is and what the right players are for that system as we approach a tough stage of season. So um, I think there's quite a bit of uncertainty still and uncertainty is never a positive especially with such a tough run ahead mm-hmm. so um in a, in a word I have no idea really but uh, <laughs> I'd be interested to see what you think yeah I, I do I do think there's something to be said in the fact that in any normal year under any normal manager I think City right now are in third and are probably 10 points off the leaders the talk is can City get a top four spot you know transition season maybe rebuild next year I think it has to be said the fact that City are still in a title challenge and and let's make no bones about it they don't have a Fred Bear squad well Fred Bear in a different sense but there's plenty of quality in that squad City have spent a lot of money they've just come off the back of a Champions League but you look at the way Liverpool for example um, struggled even under Jurgen Klopp the year after they went what was it uh, well it actually only ended up as two trophies didn't it in the end they didn't manage to win the Premier League or the Champions League but they went all the way and, and what I'm getting at is Alex I think that the fact that Guardiola has still managed to get a team in what Late February, heading into March, still in three competitions with a, a chance to do a back-to-back treble. Will it happen for me? No. But, you know, we, if we beat Luton and if the wins come against United and, and, you know, let's take a point against Liverpool to start off with. But you get my point. We will be speaking about another another treble, perhaps. That's down to Guardiola for me. And if he wants to chuck on Doku, if he wants to chuck on De Bruyne, he wants to chuck, chuck on Alvarez and City still win the game, look, he'll be to criticise him. But if it goes wrong, I do think there's possibly something to be said there. Yeah, I agree. I think that's, I think you probably sort of hit the nail on the head there, which 
is that it probably will sort of come down to hindsight in the end almost because mm. if City go on in the month of March and just sort of run through these teams and sort of turn that corner like we did last season, you're looking back at this result like like how can you complain? It was yeah. a 1-0 victory. You sort of showed that grit and determination to come out with the win. And then on the flip side of things, if those results don't come and we go to Anfield and, and we host Arsenal and we don't see those sort of convincing performances, you look back at this result and you think, you know, that was indicative of what was about to come. And so th- that's mm. sort of the, the middle area. And, and it's one where, you know, I, I don't necessarily know. Again, I, I don't necessarily have an answer. I think I would lean more so on the side of uh, it, it is a bit concerning for me, but I get what people are saying that you just have to get these results. But yeah, at the end of the day, I think we'll, we'll get that narrative come the end of March, come the end of the season, when you can look back on the sort of full narrative of things and really read into it then. Yeah, um, I, I do think there is something to be said that I personally wouldn't, I don't have any issue with City winning 1-0 every week, as long as the performance is decent, which I think the last few weeks has been much better um, at times. Don't get me wrong, it has been a little bit dodgy at other times, but as long as they look composed and they look assured. And I do think there was 25 minutes in that Bournemouth game where, you know, was it NSU now hit the post or just brushed the side of the post in the 90th minute and it comes from City trying too hard to find another winner. I think they were outnumbered 7-4 to four in the in the Bournemouth half and yet still City trying to force the ball forward with every single pass. Look, um, it will be, like you say, hindsight is wonderful and, and that's what we'll, we'll come towards at the end of this mini spell, which, Adam, um, kind of begins on Tuesday, FA Cup coming back and, and this is what the schedule looks like. We've been alluding to it for, for weeks now, basically. Even at the start of the season, looked at it and went, that's the, that's the period for City. If it's going to happen, if anything, if they're going to win anything, it will be now. But this is how it looks. Um, Luton in the FA Cup, obviously, on Tuesday. Then it's the Manchester Derby. Copenhagen, second leg. Not a done tie yet, but you should think that's probably one where City might get to do a bit of rotation. The big one, Liverpool at Anfield. Um the following weekend then it's Brighton that could be moved for FA Cup it could stay it depends on how the two teams do but probably going to be at least another game there and then Arsenal at the end of the month 31st of March for that one um perhaps maybe a difficult question for you to sign off with Adam but after those Liverpool and Arsenal games do you think City are still in the title race well uh yeah it's a very difficult one to end on <laughs> I was in fact this morning, uh, my friend asked me, um, we were talk- on the way to watching the uh, cup final, talking about mm. Klopp potentially leaving after a trophyless season. Um, got us talking about that, this this massive uh, streak of games that's coming up. And he asked me how many points I think we'll get from these games. Um, and I, I, I think I eventually settled on if we're around like the 11 12 mark, we might get by. But I'd be feeling a lot more confident if we get 50, <laughs> put it that way. Um, <laughs> I think Arsenal at the Etihad is usually, I don't want to sound too, don't be too cocky because Arsenal yeah, are looking very mean. serious right now, but Arsenal at the Etihad, we've got a good record. Liverpool at Anfield, not so much. So if we can get four points from those games, United and Villa, I think we maybe win one, draw the other. Brighton, I think we win because they've been struggling a bit recently. FA Cup, looting away is never, never an easy mm. one. Um, but talking strictly Premier League, there's still, what, 12 games to go now? And mm. Arsenal and Liverpool could easily drop points themselves still, so it's all up in the air. It will 
we do need to we can't afford to lose any of these games that's one thing for sure um and I, this we it was about this time last year when we did click into gear and mm-hmm. i'm going to be optimistic and say that it'll happen again and we will definitely be in a title race after these five games that was a, a very uh, politician's answer <laughs> put it put it that way um you, yeah so I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying um you because it you know it does take a little bit of logic to look through it and go this could happen this could happen where could we be blah blah um alex same question to final to, to finish off um city in the title race come what april the first i think my short answer is yes i think the longer answer is I think come the end of March, I think a lot of the question marks and complaints that are flying around are going to be put to bed because Pep is going to approach those games very differently than he has Mm. the past five, six, seven games. And I I have all the confidence in the world. I think we come away with at least four points out of both the the Liverpool and Arsenal fixtures. Mm. And I, I don't really see us losing outside of that. So, yeah, I think, look, I think the power is in is in City's hands. And I think we have the experience over these other squads to mm. come away with it. And I think Pep is going to sort of right the ship in the next few games when it comes to selection and, and system and whatnot. And we're going to be looking at things a lot differently in a month's time. That's a lovely um, a lovely way to end today's show. Chaps, thank you very much. Adam, it's been lovely. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Alex, same sentiments to you. Um, Listeners, you can grab all of their social medias in the description as usual. We will be back tomorrow looking ahead to that game against Luton. As we've mentioned, that won't be a fun one at all. Luton, very good team. And FA Cup game under the lights, what could go wrong? Um, But until then, it's been a pleasure. We'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.